Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. So hopefully it doesn't feel too like revelatory or too crazy for me to say that you are prejudiced. We're all prejudiced. I certainly hold prejudices. We all experience the world through our own set of experiences, our own set of interactions, our own set of lessons that help us make quick assumptions about people and about situations so that we can engage the world in real time without having to endlessly process every moment. We're prejudiced, that's what that means. We prejudge the world around us. The problem is that most of us inherited prejudice that isn't necessarily always true. Many of the prejudices that we hold are really just, we hold them because they're easy, right? It's easier to blame other people for their circumstances rather than wonder what may have happened uh, to them or their family or their ancestry to put them in a particular circumstance different from ourselves. And it takes some work to step back and be able to ask that question, why? As an example, for us in Decatur, in this particular context, the city that many of us call home, we need to ask the question, why affordable housing is so difficult to develop in our town? What assumptions are being made in our city about people living in affordable housing? Or we might ask the question, why DeKalb Medical had to be sold to Emory? Why was a public hospital doing a public good unable to sustain itself in a rapidly growing community? Or maybe another question, why are the private schools and charter schools and city schools thriving while the public schools around us in DeKalb County struggle to support both the teachers and the students that are learning and growing and shaping minds in there? Or maybe more personally, why do I, why do I get more easily annoyed by some people than I do by others? Why do I listen more intently to some people's opinions than I do to other people? Why am I willing to ignore feedback from some people and really willing to absorb it from others? Each of these things has to do with our personal and our societal prejudices. We make prejudgments about people, about situations, all of it in order to maintain some sense of safety, some sense of belonging, some sense of comfort. The problem, as I said before, is really just that some of those prejudices are wrong. And too often, we reduce people to their stereotypes. This is why it's really important for us as people of faith to step beyond comfort to engage with people that we don't always have a chance to engage with. The more we have deep conversations with the people that we have prejudices about, the more capable we are of growing beyond our old prejudices to see greater depth in our own community. Racism, sexism, heterosexism, ableism, they're all prejudices held within our society and it is most pervasive and painful, really, when it's normalized and rationalized by those of us who 
refuse to engage with those prejudices that we hold towards people of color, towards women, towards LGBTQ folks, towards people with disabilities. The more we allow our communities to isolate and to separate, the more prejudiced we will become. And the more prejudiced our society becomes, the more people on the extremes of that prejudice might feel emboldened towards an outright hatred. I think we've all seen that in the last several years. And it's been heating up more and more. Now, it may seem like I'm sort of on a tangent about prejudice, and in some ways I am, but it's also, um, this reality is just, it's not new. Scripture today gives us a really important and helpful glimpse into prejudices that were being held in the first century. First, Scripture tells us that Jesus, is, and Jesus and his disciples needed to get back to Galilee from an area called Judea. They had already made the trip from Judea to Galilee before, and that first time they made the trek, they went down the expected route. They took the long road around an area known as Samaria through the town of Jericho and then east of the Jordan River. They took a long way around because the most direct route between Galilee and Judea would have been through that region of Samaria. But Jews in the first century did not go through Samaria. There were long-held prejudices against the Samaritan people there. For several hundred years, prejudices against the Samaritans had festered and grown, all stemming from the split in the kingdom of Israel hundreds of years earlier in the generation after Solomon ruled over the United Kingdom. And so the Judeans hated the Samaritans, so much so that they were forbidden from even helping to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Any Samaritan was forbidden from participating in the project. They were seen as unholy, backwards, pagan, and an evil people. Now, of course, not everyone in Judea was actively hateful towards Samaritans, but they did still avoid Samaria. They may not have participated in pushing them out or redlining around Judea. They may have even felt bad about how the Samaritans were talked about, but they didn't confront those prejudices, and they certainly maintained the roads really well around Samaria rather than walking through the Samaria area. And what may be the most heartbreaking part about all of this is that the Samaritans were once members of the same family. They were part of the same lineage that Moses led from slavery to freedom. They were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were overrun by other empires and forced into their own experience of exile, just like the Judeans. Their heritage, their ancestry, their place in God's world were all shared, and yet the Judeans let long-standing prejudice stand in the way of any relationships being formed or reformed or rekindled or healed. So anyway, no one from Judea took the shortest, most convenient path through Samaria. Their prejudices and patterns of behavior dictated their actions. They walked around. But as we learn, Jesus walks in the world in a very different 
way. Jesus chose to walk through Samaria. Not only did he walk through Samaria, he walked to the communal well in a Samaritan town. Not only did he walk to that communal well, but he engaged in a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Not only was it a Samaritan woman, but it was a woman who had been marginalized within her own community. And not only did Jesus talk to this marginalized Samaritan woman, but he revealed himself as the incarnation of God to her alone and no one else. So this woman is significant. Scripture tells us that she was married five times. You know, there's been some terrible biblical scholarship around this. You know, women didn't choose to divorce in the first century. The men divorced from women when they no longer found those women to be useful to them. There's no conversation about her need for forgiveness. There's no conversation about her sin at all. Jesus only invites a twice marginalized woman who would have had stories told about her in town so frequently that she couldn't even get water from the well with her neighbors. She had to wait until the hottest part of the day to carry her supply of water to her home. Jesus only invites this woman, who was an outcast in her own town, through no fault of her own, to be able to start her life over again. Through the fount of living water, through Christ's invitation, this Samaritan woman could reclaim her identity in her town. After a long conversation between an ostracized woman and the embodiment of divinity, we bear witness to Christ's unique ability to see us as we are, not through the lens of prejudice held by a community, but through the unique powerful lens of God's extended family. We bear witness to Christ's unique ability to see us as we are and the incredible power of a new life that he provides for all of us. This is the first moment in John's gospel that Jesus reveals himself as God in the flesh. It isn't in a temple. It isn't to religious scholars or teachers. It isn't to leaders or officials or to clergy of any kind. Jesus makes himself known to a woman forced to marry five separate times whose prejudice against her in her own community forced her to gather water in the heat of the day. Who may have never been valued as anything other than a commodity or a liability. And finally, this incredible woman can reclaim her life and reclaim her voice. And we see it happen in scripture. After this simple conversation with Jesus, the Samaritan woman becomes the first evangelist. The freedom given to her through Christ to be nourished by something beyond popular opinion meant that she could live freely and speak freely. And when she finds her voice, she's able to convince her town of God's presence through Christ. She was once unable to gather water at the shoulder of another woman in town, and now she is shaping the faith of women and men. <laughs> We are all prejudiced. We all carry prejudgments about the world, about people, about institutions. It's a human thing. 
And so I thank God for Jesus's example, calling us to step beyond comfort, to really hear the stories of people living lives alongside us. I thank God for this Samaritan woman's example, reminding us that no person is rejected or disposed of by God. If we can trust these truths, we might learn to find our own voice, to reject the prejudices handed to us and to invite people to come and to see the divine presence of God found through the divinity of a brown-skinned Jewish refugee treading a path that our polite society, society would really rather that he didn't. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.